On today's Spotlight on KRWC, second Wednesday in the month of October. We always reserve the second Wednesday for guests from Wright County Public Health. And uh, we have a guest in studio today. Christy Rathmanner is with us. Uh, She is a public health nurse with Wright County Public Health. She's been here before, but uh, we were talking before the program. It's been a while. Just about anybody that's been here before has been a while since the last time they were here. So welcome. Thank you. Nice to see you again. We were uh, talking a little bit about uh, public health has been back in studio for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been um, back to our office since about June. So we're kind of trying to get back into our normal routine, which is kind of challenging. So we've been kind of in limbo a little bit, getting our programs back up and running since the pandemic. But um, yeah, it's like we get going and then we kind of have to respond to the pandemic again. So... (laughs) We're here, but... Yeah, and that's kind of a little bit of what we're going to talk to uh, uh, discuss about today is, um, you know, continuing um, vaccines, uh, not only for COVID, but maybe we'll start with the flu season because that's uh, kind of the most imminent. And I've been hearing and reading a lot of uh, things about, uh, you know, health officials a little bit concerned about uh, kind of a double whammy, if you will, with the uh, regular flu season and COVID at the same time. Um, they are kind of, you know, uh, cousins, if you will, as far as, I mean, they, they have very similar characteristics. It's just that the COVID is, uh, much, much stronger. Right. Yep. So that's, that's exactly right. A lot of the symptoms are very similar, so it's hard to know what you have really without getting tested. So we'll talk a little bit about what flu is and then talking about the flu vaccine as well. Now, last year, if I remember, the uh, statistics on influenza were just about as low as they could be. And a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of health officials are saying it's quite likely that, you know, well, first of all, we were all locked up, you Mm -hmm. know, or at least a lot of us were at home. So there wasn't a lot of intermingling of people. But even when there was, uh, you know, masks were being used a lot Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just a lot of general surface cleanup and you know stuff that you would think would be common sense anyway mm-hmm. was going on and thus miraculously not much flu right all those mitigation efforts that we had for covid helped with the respiratory illness of flu as well mm-hmm. exactly right remind us again now for for listeners that still might have some conf- confusion about it because uh, of course when i was growing up when you said flu <laughs> you were talking about stomach virus uh-huh. which you know, I mean, I think there's still some of that confusion that goes on, but they're kind of two different things. Correct. So when, when people talk about the stomach flu, it's actually a virus called norovirus, typically, that can cause the GI upset and the vomiting. That is not the same thing as the respiratory illness of influenza. So with influenza, you get symptoms similar, like we talked about, to COVID, where you get fever, body aches, um, cough, things like that. And so... They also mimic a cold, like a general cold. And this time of year, we have no idea what it is that we have, right? So um, the difference between influenza and a cold typically are kind of the onset of symptoms. Flu symptoms typically start up pretty rapidly, quickly. Cold, you might have lingering symptoms for a while. Um, So most people with influenza recover without complication, but there are certain people that are at risk for severe complications such as pneumonia, bacterial infections, and things like that. And those individuals are children under the age of two, adults over 65, 
pregnant women and people with chronic health conditions are the most at risk for developing serious complications and hospitalizations from the flu. And we know that the hospital systems and the clinics are very busy right now with COVID as well. So just trying to mitigate that as much as we can. So here again, the parallel between influenza and COVID, very similar. It is very similar. It's very hard to tell them apart. So we want to do what we can, and we know that we have a flu vaccine that can help prevent that. Mm -hmm. So let's get into that. Now, uh, flu shots, of course, I mean, we've been talking about that for every year at this time for Mm -hmm. a long, long time. Um, But there, as we said, there's kind of a, um, a concern this year about that double whammy situation where, um, you know, a, a rough flu season combined with the ongoing COVID could mean trouble at the uh, hospitals and healthcare centers. Right. And even if you don't get severely ill with flu, if you still need to go into the hospital for anything, you might be waiting quite a while because there just really isn't the space there that we have. You know, we kind of have a comfort in other years where you might have a little bit of a buffer. You don't necessarily see the influx of patients that we're seeing now. So it is really important to do what you can to prevent that and to prevent that serious illness and disease. Let's talk about the uh, the flu vaccine now. And um, tell us about the, the types that, because I think it changes every year what's included in it. Yep. So we have um, two different kinds of flu vaccine available through Wright County Public Health. And then there's an additional one that I'll talk about, too. So all of the flu vaccine that's available this year is quadrivalent vaccine, which means there's four strains of influenza in each vaccine. There's two A strains, two B strains. It just kind of depends on what's circulating. It's really hard to predict that. They watch like the Southern Hemisphere and what's going on down there to help them make those decisions on what to include for our vaccine in the U.S. Um, And then there's a high dose quadrivalent vaccine, which is for individuals 65 years of age and older, which actually has four times the amount of antigen in each strain, which is supposed to help elicit a better immune response for those over the age of 65. Just because we know that individuals, older individuals, um, don't get that immune response that those under 65 get. So we just want to boost it as much as we can. And not only that, but if they, uh, you know, individuals over that age group, uh, a lot of times, you know, as you age, there's, you know, there's other things going on. And so, much like with COVID, um, you know, if you if you do get infected, there, you know, there's complications or can be. Right. They're at definitely increased risk of more severe illness just based on age and their immune response. And also, like you said, they have medical conditions that might put you at greater risk for severe illness. Now, who's eligible to get the flu shots? So it's recommended that anyone six months of age and older to get vaccinated every season. Um, kids between six months and eight through eight years may need two doses if they haven't had two doses in previous seasons, but your healthcare provider can walk you through that and decide if you need one or two if your child does. Okay. So there isn't uh, quite the restrictions. um, Well, in fact, much, much less restrictions on the influenza vaccine versus the COVID vaccine, which we'll come up, uh, come to here in a minute. Correct. All right. So um, as you said, you know, pretty good reasons to, to get the uh, the vaccine, and uh, what's the hope as far as uh, how it how it prevents or how it uh, again much like the COVID shots, uh, the hope is that um, you know even if you become ill, it will kind of lessen the effect. Right. So just because you get vaccinated doesn't mean that you necessarily won't get infected with the virus. What it will do is make your body will recognize that virus then, and then it'll like you said your symptoms will be much less severe, and hopefully 
you don't end up in the hospital or get pneumonia or things like that. Yeah. So kick it earlier is the idea. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, questions about uh, a lot of people think that uh, you can actually get the flu from getting the flu mm -hmm. shot. Right. Yep. And that's not the case. So when you get your flu vaccine, you might develop like a mild fever and some general achiness sore arm, things like that, which actually means that your body is building up that immune response. So that's a good thing. That means your body's working and it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Some people might feel like they come down with a different virus. And like we talked about earlier, there's so many things circulating at the same time. It is possible that you got infected with something different. Maybe you got a cold at the same time you got flu and you, it's hard to tell those apart. So it's not, it's not a live vaccine that we're giving you. So it's not possible to actually get the flu from it. Mm -hmm. And when should you get it? What's the, the best time now? Uh, so they, they recommend as soon as it's available, usually around October, early October. Um, it takes about two weeks for your body to build up that immune response to it. So we want to make sure we don't know when the peak is going to hit for influenza throughout the season. We just want to make sure that we give it enough time to build up its full strength before the peak would hit. So October is usually the gold standard, um, but even if you wait November, December, still get it because we, like we said, any protection is better than no protection. So um, you've been seeing signs now at um, pharmacies throughout the area. I think they all have it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming Wright County, yep, it's available too yep. with uh, Wildvan, is that, or are yep, you doing clinics too? Yep, so we have some in-office clinic hours in our Buffalo office, and then we also have our Wildvan sites. Um, we, we're not going out as much as we had pre-pandemic, just because we're kind of, like I said, in limbo a little bit. But you can always give us a call or check our website and schedule an appointment there. Now, I think, or at least uh, the ones that I'm aware of, the flu shot is free this uh, season, is it not? Um, or at least some places it is. Oh, really? Yeah. So we typically, it's considered a preventative um, vaccine. So most insurances should cover it. Yeah. Um, so there shouldn't be a cost to the. Okay. And I guess we didn't talk about the mist. I know uh, some oh, people yeah. prefer prefer that. for It's only certain ages though, right? Yep. So the flu mist is the, the nasal mist that um, it was big quite a few years ago. And then it was kind of not available for a little while, but it is back. Um, and that's for kids to through age 49. Um, so if that's something that you'd feel more comfortable with, it is available. We just don't carry it at this time. Okay. So they can ask at, um, you know, wherever they're choosing yeah, to. Yeah, their pharmacy or their doctor's office and see if they can find the flu mist. If that's something that, if you have an aversion to needles or things like that. Yeah. yeah it's a good option. Uh, Christy Rathmanner, public health nurse with Wright County Public Health, our guest here on today's Spotlight. We're talking flu shots. We're going to move into the COVID vaccine now. Um, and this is, you know, this is, there's no doubt about it. It's a controversial thing. Um, I don't know where we stand as far as um, uh, percentage-wise. Maybe you know as far as county or can give a ballpark figure how many, what the percentage is on um, on vaccinations. I believe for our 12 plus, plus population in Wright County, we're about 60% um, that have received at least one dose. And I want to say 16 plus is about 62%. And the, um, I don't know if it's 65 plus is about between 85 and 90% have received okay. one dose. So yeah, and the statewide, I believe it's about 77% that's 18 plus that have yeah. received at least one I was going to say, so. I, I had heard 70 plus, uh, mm -hmm. so yeah. 
So that's where that's at, and and that is, you know, uh, people are still getting their their first primary series. All the the primary series is available. Well, age wise, I mean, not children, but for twelve up, it's available now to anybody. Correct. Correct. So um, the Pfizer vaccine is available for twelve years and older at this time. And then Moderna's 18 and older, and the Johnson & Johnson is 18 and older as well. All right. And just to kind of clarify again now, there is, uh, you know, three different uh, formulas here, and they all are uh, stated to be effective, but there are uh, first differences in how they're uh, administered as far as uh, doses. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Johnson & Johnson is just a one-shot. Yes. Yep. So... Moderna and Pfizer are both the mRNA vaccines that you've heard a lot about, and those are two-dose vaccines. Pfizer is two doses three weeks apart, and Moderna is two doses four weeks apart. And then, like you said, the Johnson & Johnson is just a, a one-shot at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've been hearing a lot about the the booster shot, and uh, there are some people that are eligible. Let's talk about, first of all, what the booster really uh, is and I, the only one approved right now is Pfizer, I believe, right? Correct. Yep. So there's there, we got a couple things going on right now. So there is a booster dose, which is for people who have completed their primary series. So for the the typical person, it's the two shots for Pfizer, and Moderna, and the one shot for Johnson and Johnson. There's also um, a CDC recommendation that individuals who are moderately to severely immunocompromised that receive Moderna or Pfizer receive an additional dose, like a third dose, within their what they would be considered their primary series. So those individuals would need three doses right off the bat to be considered fully immunized with the primary series versus just the two for individuals that do not have weakened immune systems, if that makes sense. So that's the additional dose for the primary series. Okay. And then the booster dose is something different where you, where you were talking about Pfizer is approved for a booster dose. So that's for people who've completed that primary series and they just need to boost um, the waning immunity from the vaccine. And that's so, a six-month time period, am I right in yep, that? Yep, so for Pfizer, it's six months after completion of the initial series, yes. And again, uh, that's based on a few things. Age is one. Yep. And then uh, some of the underlying circumstances, too. Yes. So the booster dose is for um, 65 and older, anybody 65 years of age and older, and individuals 50 to 64 with underlying medical conditions, so things like cancer, stroke, heart disease, an immune-compromised state, things like that, Um should receive a booster dose. And then there's other individuals that um, they, if they feel that they would benefit from it, they are authorized to do so. It's not like a absolute you should do it. And those are people with medical conditions between 18 and 49 years of age and employees and residents um, at increased risk for COVID exposure and transmission. So if you work in healthcare, if you're a first responder, working in congregate settings, jails, long-term care facilities, it's an option for you as well. Yeah. And it sounds like really kind of just a matter of time before the um, before Moderna probably is going to have a booster approved. And I don't know about the, the J&J, but... Yep, so Moderna and Johnson & Johnson are actually being discussed by the FDA this week. So Moderna is going to be discussed tomorrow, and then Johnson & Johnson will be on Friday. 
So once they do their thing and if they authorize booster doses for their um, vaccines, then it goes to the CDC's advisory committee to discuss the data and look at all of the safety and, and information. And then they will make final recommendations to the CDC director on who should be getting this vaccine. So just because the FDA authorizes, it doesn't necessarily mean what they authorize is what's going to be recommended. So it's kind of a two-part two-part thing and they meet next week so mm -hmm. hopefully by the end of next week we'll have some answers on Moderna and Johnson and Johnson so yeah and not only on the uh, not only on the booster but I understand too that um, getting pretty close for authorization for um, younger population to yes. get the primary ones too. yes so Pfizer has submitted their application for um, extending their authorization for ages 5 through 11 and that is going to the FDA on the 26th of October, and then the ACIP should meet the 2nd and 3rd of November. So hopefully within a month we'll get an answer on those that group too because they are starting to get see an increase in cases, and with everybody in school now, spread is kind of a concern. And So that'll be nice to get them Certainly. up and running. And I don't know if, uh, if other parts of the world, other countries, uh, if they have lowered their uh, age... Uh, guidelines as far as uh, that's uh, a great shots question. Or not. I know other countries, of course, have got different formulas too. That right, so they are they have different vaccines that are authorized um, that we kind of have to navigate to if we have people coming from different countries that we have to kind of look at and if we can accept their vaccine or if they should get revaccinated. I'm not sure about the actual age limit for them. I know that the World Health Organization just recommended to a third dose for um, people who are at increased risk for severe disease. So it's kind of aligning with what we're doing here in the U.S. too, which is good. I think the, um, the frustration and the controversy and kind of the confusion comes in a little bit because, you know, we've heard a lot about the breakthrough cases or the so-called breakthrough cases lately where uh, persons that that are vaccinated still get covid mm -hmm. and um some i think am i right in saying that just about all of the the new cases detected are the new or one of the new variants mm -hmm. yeah. yes we're seeing delta a lot okay yes. so you know i guess the question then becomes you know really a question of uh, how effective they are against the the shots are against some of these variants uh and it might be tough to gauge that uh, in that um here again it's not you know it's not a, a preventative so much as it is um uh, a little bit of a uh, a buffer if you will to to keep you from getting really ill right so the the individuals that we're seeing as a breakthrough case who have been vaccinated are much, much, much more mild than um, the unvaccinated. So even though like with the flu shot as well, you may still get infected with it, but your symptoms are going to be much more mild. You're much less likely to need hospitalization or death. So yeah. that's um, something that we really need to be encouraging our community about. It doesn't mean that you won't get it, but your symptoms will be much less. Which brings us all the way back around to the uh, influenza vaccines, because every year we talk about that, that, uh, you know, this isn't this isn't necessarily a preventative. We hope mm -hmm. it is. And I mean, there are some years that, you know, if the flu vaccine happens to hit the exact strain that's going mm -hmm. around, it might very well be a preventative. But if nothing else, it's um, the hope is that um, it makes you able to fight it off better. Correct. Yep. 
And we're just trying to protect everybody around us, too, who aren't able to get vaccinated or if they have a weakened immune system and their body's not responding as well, whatever we can do to minimize the risk of us transmitting it. Because even if you do get infected, the risk of transmissibility might not be as great either for those that are vaccinated versus unvaccinated. We um, we watch the uh, the COVID dashboard that mm -hmm. uh, the county has every week and uh, the last you know, it's been up every week now, I think, for two straight months. And last week, it all it just about doubled in the amount of cases, and mm -hmm. it should be out again now t tomorrow, I think. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's obviously a trend, and this is a trend all across the state. Right. Yeah, the state is, um, it's definitely, cases are still going up. We're waiting, hopefully, the peak hits soon so we can kind of go back down. But that's why it's even more important to just get out there and get vaccinated and help stop the spread. Yeah, and I guess emphasizing again too now on the if it is the primary for you, um, it's really almost like no time like the present because it takes a couple weeks. You know, first of all, you have a little time period in between the first and the second dose unless you mm -hmm. get Johnson Johnson. But um, so there's that buffer, and then even after the second one, you've got a little time left before it's fully effective. Yep. So it's still the two weeks after that second dose of the mRNA or the one dose of the Johnson & Johnson where you would reach the peak effectiveness of the vaccine. So, yes. So the, uh, <laughs> the emphasis is on uh, time is of the, uh, of the essence here. Yes. Um, what else should we know about um, the uh, influenza vaccines as far as uh, availability? I remember number of years ago, there was a couple of years there where we were kind of short on vaccines and people were scrambling all over to get them, but I, I haven't heard of that this year. Uh, we have not had any issues with supply chain concerns. We have our flu vaccine. Um, we always get it in staggered shipments and we're doing just fine. So I don't think I haven't heard of any concerns in that aspect. So like you said, time is of the essence. Go get it. <laughs> have we seen much influenza yet? I, I haven't heard too much about it. We have seen some. Um, I would guess... You know, as people are out and about more, it would probably continue to rise. October is pretty early for a peak, but it is definitely circulating. And we've had RSV floating around, too. So there's a lot of respiratory illnesses right now. Yeah, I know for yeah. uh, the little kids, uh, boy, that's really been rampant over the summer. Right. Yep. And we don't usually see it in the summer. So that's interesting, too. It's usually another winter, fall, winter type virus that we see. So it was a little different to see it in um in the summertime and maybe that's because people were more comfortable seeing one another because our cases were so low of COVID over the summer so our things kind of relaxed a little bit so maybe it was just kind of waiting for us to get together again and <laughs> yeah showed up well and I you know it's it's understandable people's frustration because it kind of sounded or at least the general population kind of felt like in the summer it was kind of almost proclaimed mm -hmm. that hey you know, we've kind of beaten this down and then all of a sudden it flares up again. Right. And I think that's the concern with all these variants that are popping up is that we can get a good handle on it. But if we still don't have our people vaccinated, it can reemerge. And, and the less people that are vaccinated, the more likely it is for these different variants to emerge. So if we can get more people vaccinated, it's less easy for those um, variants to come up. Yeah. And I guess if, you know, if anybody, if any individual has any real big questions or concerns, first uh, choice is always their 
primary physicians, mm-hmm. you know, ask away and uh, don't be bashful about asking because they'll they'll let you know. Yes. I guess which brings up a good point though, uh, and we didn't address it earlier. How about um, I've heard a little bit of differing opinions on the uh, flu vaccine in combination with the COVID vaccine. Um, yeah. I, I know it's able to be done, and yep. I know you know I, I think that some people are doing that, but I've also heard that. Some physicians kind of recommend uh, maybe wait a week or two in between. Yeah, so when when the COVID vaccine first came out, it was recommended to wait at least two weeks on either side of a different vaccine. Didn't have to be flu, it was any vaccine. Just to give your body that initial, like, it's only focused on this COVID vaccine to boost as as best as it can, for your immune immune system to respond as best as it can. The thought of doing them together, um, there's no data that suggests that just because you get flu and COVID together that it's going to respond less to either one of those. You might get some more, you know, general side effects. Your arms, both of your arms might be sore versus one. You might feel kind of icky because COVID can make have some of those side effects anyway. Um, so there's really, it's really a personal preference at this point. It can be done if you don't want to have to go back in a couple weeks to get one or the other you can do them at the same time otherwise if you want to wait and just be more safe and have not safe like but just have your body be able right. to only be focusing on one that's just fine too i had it explained to me um in such a way that um uh, that in the rare event that you would have you know kind of some you know a little bit rougher side effects one of the reasons why a separation between the flu shot and the COVID vaccine, if you need one, is um, that if you do have side effects, you don't necessarily know which one it's from. That's true. Yes, that's very true. It can help gather a little bit better data, too, because the, they're continuously doing safety monitoring on these vaccines just to make sure things are, and, and the data has looked great. So that is a good way for us to track on what side effects people are having from which vaccine. Yeah. That's a very good point. Okay. Well, it's all good uh, information to uh, to think about and uh, to try to, you know, as we get into a, a winter season where, you know, last year was so much in question. And, of course, mm-hmm. we were locked down and everything was closed up. And, you know, we, at all costs, I think, don't want to go back there again, that's right. for sure. But um, the opening up kind of has, uh, as we're seeing, a little bit of uh, consequence, too. So we got to watch out for ourselves. Yes, it's a very hard balance. The uh, is the county giving the COVID vaccine too? Yes, we do have Moderna and we have Johnson and Johnson, and so we're actively planning for if these booster doses are approved, how we're going to get um, our people through. So if you did get your COVID vaccine from us, you can expect an email or a phone call just saying what the eligibility is, and then. Um, instructions on how to sign up so you don't have to call us we have all of your information from before and we can we'll connect with you but at present no big plans for the great big out in the the garage uh, at the public works there uh, type thing yeah so we have we have plans in place for where our vaccines were before Um, and so we're just kind of waiting on the timeline and if things are approved that's probably where it will be again um, just to get as many people through as we can that worked great by the way yeah good yeah, yeah I know I, really um, I took an uh, individual out there for, you know, the two mm-hmm. the two uh, shot series. And, man, you put some people through that building, <laughs> didn't you? What yes, was it, it was good. Was it 
30 cars at a time or something? Or? Um, we would have 10 car. The, the challenging part is the observation period afterwards. So we would have um, 10 cars at a time getting immunized, and then they would wait there 15 yeah. minutes afterwards. So and then another we were 10 were to, getting yep. a shot. So you could do yeah. a lot in one day, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, we would do about 600 in a day that's there. That's amazing. So, yeah, it's re- it works really well. It was Good. Very nice of them to let us use their building. <laughs> They've been great. Well, uh, by all means, uh, keep us up to date. I'm sure you will. Um, and of course, people can can uh, you know get information via the uh, public health's webpage anytime that it's mm-hmm. convenient for them. And yes. we kind of do our part in you know additional reminders if if nothing else. So yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, great. It's good to have you here, Christy Rathmanner, our guest on our spotlight today. Uh, with Wright County Public Health, and uh, we'll chat with Public Health again next month here on KRWC.